We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Podcast. I'm Alex Hurst, joined today on this happy day by Simon Campbell sat next to me and Norman Riley on the line from London. And we're here to talk to you about Newcastle United's absolutely fucking massive 1-0 win against Huddersfield Town. And lads, get in. It's a fucking good job, isn't it, that David Wagner knew the fans, knew the city, knew the stadium and knew the team. Otherwise, they would have have got beat, wouldn't they? So, advantage Huddersfield going into this one. So, yeah, well done, David. Um, Really pleased for for you on that one. (laughs) Um, Just wanted to get that in the start of the show. Simon, let's just start with you first. How are you feeling about all of this? A little bit overwhelmed. I mean... We've spent. It's been a long, long season, and the last, the last, every single game since about January has been utterly enjoyable. I mean, even yesterday's, it wasn't, it wasn't a footballing spectacle, and we talked about it on the as the match day went on. Like Huddersfield weren't really trying to play football, but I just enjoyed it. I, you can't, you can't underestimate the the feeling that a, a win with Rafa Benitez as manager gives you. I mean, we've talked about it for years. Like winning football matches is why we do it, but. It's it's totally different with Rafa. It's ten times better. Every victory just feels like everyone on the pitch, everyone in the dugout, everyone in the crowd deserves it, and it's well earned. And it just it just gives you that feeling of of absolute euphoria. It's fantastic. Fantastic's the word, and we're going to talk about absolutely everything today. Um, all I want to do is talk about football at the moment, which is what winning massive games of football does for you. Norman, you're on the line. You had a good day yesterday. What was it like for you traveling back? Just you, you pretty much did it. Did the day trip? It's almost like an away game for you. Three and a half hour journey up before the game. Three and a half hour journey back straight after. Tell us a little bit about your day and how you're feeling, Norm. Um, well, I'll tell you how I'm feeling. I'm feeling like just somebody's put me brain in a fucking newbie bullet and just blended it and then poured it back in my ears. Um, I'm absolutely <laughs> hungover to death, and uh, the reason for that is is because yesterday was just it was such a brilliant day. The result, we, we, we all we all knew this. We all said it repeatedly um, after the Southampton match. Beat Huddersfield and we're as good as we're as good as done. Um, the, the kind of enormity of the win. It, it's the, the wrong words to describe it. it. It was just a huge victory, so important. And um, and like you said, there Wagner trying to sort of you know be, be clever psychologically before the match. It, it's almost like why are you wasting your time? Seeing that kind of shit when you're facing like a manager like Rafa Benitez who does not give a flying shit about any of that. It's just it was just absolutely perfect in every way. Um I mean I'm sure we'll go into the game, but like Simon said, just watching watching a team that is so well drilled tactically is an absolute pleasure. It just can't assure you it's not all the, the bullshit media myth about Newcastle fans rather losing four three than winning one nil. Absolute horseshit. Give me yesterday's like tactical masterclass from Rafa any time. Um, just a brilliant, brilliant day, mate. Absolutely brilliant. Yes, it was, and it's all—it's almost kind of getting not boring, but saying this, but we're certainly repeating ourselves that we just turn up in the big games when it matters, and that is—that is the opposite of Newcastle United. In well, for you know, go back as many years as you want, pre-Rafa Benitez, even going back to the the Pardew season, finishing fifth when. When push really came to shove at the end of that season, we couldn't do it when it mattered getting beat 4-0 at Wigan. You look at these games now against Man United in the relegation zone, Southampton, massive game, Huddersfield, 
massive game. We haven't conceded a goal. We haven't even looked like conceding a goal. Actually, I know Man United, that's probably pushing it a little bit. <laughs> but certainly against Southampton and Huddersfield yesterday, Dubravka's not had to make a save in either game. Um, and he, he is world-class still, and he's, he's had a fantastic impact. But, Sai, do, do you think that there's something about this team which raises its game for the occasion? Or do you think that, actually, no, this is just the culmination of a season-long worth of training ground graft application in that it doesn't matter who we play at the moment or how big the game is, we'll go and put in like a similar performance at Leicester next week? I think uh, it's a bit of both. So, uh, at the start of the season, on paper... Uh, we, I think when we did our predictions for the season, we were talking about 50 points. We thought this team was capable of 50 points. And actually, on current form, if we hadn't had such a bad run before Christmas, we'd be sitting, we'd be sitting tidy on, on mid-40 points by now. Um, we've had a lot of bad luck along the we way. We hadn't lost all them games. Yeah, <laughs> so, we, yeah. We'd be fine. You know, if Rafa had just been given the players he wanted in the summer, which was Kennedy and a goalkeeper, would be, would be, would be flying. And, you know, we had injuries to Lascelles and that along the way. So I think this is just what this team is capable of. And we're, we're finally seeing it after... After some really bad luck and and you know just, I I, I don't think I, th- I think it's it is part of how the season's gone. You know we we've put ourselves in a situation where the big games have meant more. You know if if we'd been sitting on forty points a few weeks ago, these these wouldn't be big games. But I feel like we'd still be winning them. So it's a bit of both. It's a bit of both. We've, we've pulled out when it matters as we have done the whole time he's been here. But nah, this is this is just what this squad's capable of for me. If you look at the, the stats for the cells out of the team and in the team, in the team, we average uh, 1.54 points a game. And I know it's if, buts, and maybes, but if he hadn't missed that nine-game spell, if you worked out the points average across the season, would be level on points with Arsenal before today's game on 48 points. So it tells you a little bit about how good the team has been in recent weeks and how good we were at the start of the season, even though we did enjoy that difficult start, sign. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll have to... Rain it in a little bit. We're still talking about a side that is performing way, way better than the sum of its parts. You know, we're not saying these players are a top half the table team. Like most of these lads, still wouldn't get in a, in a team in the top eight, top nine. Um, this is just Rafa, Rafa's team, well drilled, tactically perfect. And yesterday was just another example of how having him as manager and having the the kind of players that he's he's put together into a team makes all the difference. And it is. We're talking about what is essentially a scrappy rainy, wet, 1-0 win against a very, very poor side who who didn't come to play football. It was essentially a training session at times, attack versus defence. Um, but it, but Norman, you left uh, me and the lads some voice messages last night on your way home, articulating your love of this group of lads and your love of this season. So now you've had a chance to um, sleep on it. <laughs> How, you know, Would you like to echo those thoughts? Um, I would just like to say that I've got no recollection of leaving those messages, so apologies <laughs> for if I swore and I offended anyone with me by language. Um, but um, I mean, the, the feeling's the same. The feeling's been the, the feeling has been like this all season. It's, I mean, I've kind of all along been thinking, you know, that the team is performing great in the sum of its parts. But you know what? Maybe, maybe it's not. I mean, the, the reality is, you've got Elias, who have obviously got, you know, natural ability. That's that's why they made it as professional footballers. Um, What's happened is they've just they're just responding to outstanding coaching. They're listening to everything that they're being told. They're following like, they're following orders on the pitch. It's quite obvious to see. And the, above, above and beyond anything else, for me, the, what, what I love about them is the desire, just the fucking care. Every single one of them cares. The the team spirit. I've never. God, I mean, I've, I've been watching Newcastle since you know, like the kind of uh, mid to late eighties, and. I've never seen a, a, a group of players, a collective unit. I'm talking like all eleven on the pitch, everyone on the bench, like genuinely, kind of, they genuinely seem to like each other and want to do well, um, not just for themselves but for the for the team as a whole. And it's and it's so good. It's just so fucking good. Watch like yesterday, like you said, Alex. You know, I mean, I think we we mentioned it a couple of times during the game. It did feel like a training session. Um, in you know, in the back of your mind, you're, back of your mind, you're always thinking, well. You know, the Bournemouth game. The Bournemouth game was the one that kept sort of coming to, you know, the front of my mind. Um, but two things. What I feel on you when you as good as Bournemouth, but also we have grown so much since then. Since that Bournemouth game, the, like, the team have just they've just learned like, a lot of lessons and that's just so much better for me. And, and again, it's another like, common thread from the season is that we said this battle this season out there, the players have fought, if we survive, which we're obviously going to now, will stand them in massively good stead for next season. And, um, Every single group, every single player on that squad has has progressed as a footballer, and I don't think they can really 
really see anything, you know, any, there's no kind of hierarchy than seeing that every single one of them has improved as a player this season. And it's it's just a fucking absolute pleasure to watch. And um, being there yesterday was, again, like you see a scrappy 1-0 when I get it home the Huddersfield, but it was it was up there with me, like, you know, some of my favourite moments watching Newcastle United, and that's, that's not an exaggeration. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I couldn't agree more with, with the with the learning point. We always know with Rafa that, you know, for all the defeats we had in, in October, November, December time, we'd learn something for everyone. Learning is the key word. Whenever we lose a game, you know that there'll be there'll be changes made to the way certain players have behaved or certain certain things have happened that that'll that'll make us better. So we talked about mistakes. Pretty much all those games we lost in that run up were decided by one or two mistakes. They were all closed. We never got we never got hammered. And you know that like we've had we've had nil nils against Brighton, we've had nil nils against Swansea. This is the Premier League, and these players are kind of adjusting to this newly evolved, albeit a little bit shit Premier League, where the the bottom teams have to play like this to try and take points off each other. And you know, these last few weeks we've learned how to how to take advantage of that. And it was so beautiful yesterday that in another game where one team's trying to stop it from being a game of football and then nick it in the last ten minutes, we've said, "Nah, fuck off, lads." Eighty minutes of patheticness, and then we've just gone, "Well." We'll have the late goal. You know what? You're going to open up in the, after 80 minutes and try and make the game. We'll have it now. You know, you sit there and and try and shut the game down for as long as possible. And we've we've been the victim of that in quite a few games this season. But to see it to see it turned around because we've learned how to do it over the course of the season was just was just fantastic. Yeah, I just want to come on something Norman said there about the effort and application of these lads. Watching the um, highlights package on Sky Sports um, on demand. I was able to have a look at that chance that Huddersfield had. I mean, it wasn't really a chance, but it was it was the one kind of moment they had in the first half where the ball wasn't cleared off the line, but it was played across the box. And that came from our set piece. And their keeper punches the ball. And Yedlin kind of really carelessly, in a good game yesterday, Yedlin, but the one really careless moment, he loses the ball high up the pitch and Huddersfield are in. And at that point, I froze the screen. Huddersfield are three on three. There is Paul Dummett. Modi Arme and John Joe Shelby and three of their three of their attackers against us three. The lad gets put gets past Paul Dummett pretty easily and he's through. Five seconds later, we've got we've got eight lads back. Five seconds later. Now our lads, our two centre backs and our attacking players are level. They're in the box with the Huddersfield lads waiting for Yedlin to re-deliver that ball. Five seconds later, we have more men back and their attack should fizzle out. They get an outrageous foot like stroke of fortune when Shelby and Kennedy kind of get caught square, but they try to put the ball in and it bounces to their lad and Lejeune clears it. But that's just something that you wouldn't we wouldn't have seen in previous years. It would have been and listen, you know I love them to bits, but even Wamusa probably wouldn't have been gust gust but a, a gut busting a gut to get back um and other players and Winyaldum and, and all the players from the past. So the absolute sheer effort and determination to to protect the goal, not to concede and win that game is just uh, it's a pleasure to watch and you know what, at times to some people it might look like difficult watching. I mean, I thought were magnificent first half, but we kind of lost our way a little bit second half before the subs were made. Um, so, Sai, let's talk about the subs. Um, you know, a few eyebrows raised, Richie coming off, and then even Gail coming off for Slimani. You mean, you've got you've got to say that the, the goal was essentially Atsu with a good ball, finding Slimani with a good run. Um, so, good subs for you. And let's not forget, I know this is a long question, Let's not forget that um, Rafa has been criticised quite a lot for substitutions this season by sections of the fan base. Oh yeah, you know what? Um, when when we saw Christian Atsu warming up instead of uh, Slimani, we thought, what's he going to do here? Who, who comes off? Because I thought Kennedy and Richie were both having perfectly good games. Um, and then Richie, Richie makes way. And you know what? What you've just talked about there was was the attitude of the, the players who would, would bust a gut to get back, run 80 yards when we lose the ball. Richie's the, the absolute pinnacle of one of those players he's the absolute definition of of a player who will graft well beyond his his actual ability as a football player for you um and he put in a great shift but he probably he's probably nagged after 70 minutes we've seen we've noticed that um over the years that we needed a goal we needed a goal and Richie was was still working hard but why not just put someone you on and you know what I've been quite critical of Christian Atsu this season because I don't think his end product has, has, has been brilliant but he came on and he really did change the game going forward. You know, he, he tried a few things, he lost the ball, but it was just a new... Dem- it was nice to have these players available now with no pressure on them, coming on at nil-nil, not coming on 2 nil down to try and try and salvage the game. Coming on at nil-nil to, to make a difference and to, and to, to, to take the points. And yeah, um, we, we raised eyebrows at Atsu because everyone was kind of looking, well, where's Slomani? Is he, is he actually going to play? But then five minutes later, he did come on. And you know what? 
the, the game did the, the game did change. I don't think overall we, we were performing any better, but we just had fresh legs. That's what subs should be for. It shouldn't be about trying to trying to affect a game where, where where it's got away from us. It was about we've worked really hard for seventy minutes. We haven't quite got the goal. Here's the fresh legs. This should this should see out the job, and it did. So fair play, Rafa. He he played it absolutely perfectly. Yeah, Norman, same to you. Let's talk about Slomani a little bit. Um, I know you were very excited about um, the new song in Block V that some lads and lads <laughs> were, were belting out. I mean, you can give the listeners a, a rendition if you want. But um, also, keen to hear your thoughts on his impact yesterday because I know standing next year, you were very, very keen on what you saw. I, um, I mean, the song, I'm not going to sing it because, you know, <laughs> my voice is enough to fucking shatter like windows for like this world street. Um, <laughs> but it's... Uh, Whitney Houston's I want to dance with somebody, but I want to dance with Slimani, and it just fucking killed us. I mean, even thinking about it now, I'm probably going to stop like, laughing because it is fucking genius. Whoever came up with it, kudos, superb. Um, but his performance, I mean, what he did when he came on, you know, you bring on like a player who, he caught, you know, he scored a lot of goals in, in the Portuguese league. And look, I mean, you know, we know the Portuguese, the Portuguese league isn't the strongest, but... Porto, Benfica, Sport, Lisbon always do really well, and he was banging goals in. And Leicester paid thirty million from him. He's, he's no, he's not, a, he's no fucking mug. You know, he's a, he's obviously got got talent, and he was excellent for Algeria at the World Cup. And I was really excited when we signed him. And it's just been unfortunate that he's um, obviously been injured for for most of the time he's been here. But the difference when he came on, and this isn't taking anything away from Gale, by the way, because Gale uh, does does what he does, and he worked his arse off yesterday. I mean, the graft he put in was phenomenal. But um, Slomani coming on, he just he just completely unsettled the um, their centre halves, and he's he's kind of he's, he's just his presence disrupting them. It, it opened up space, and the, the the substitutions were and we we did say like like Simon said there we at the time that happened we were kind of kind of quizzing them you know we we're a little bit puzzled but it just comes to show what we know we know absolutely fuck all you know I mean Rafa did it made the changes and they completely they completely changed the game and and what I like about it as well is going going one up with someone like Slomani up front. Um, with 10 minutes to get him, you just know that it's he's, he's an outlet. He's an outlet when the other team's supposed to, well, supposedly be um, going to be putting pressure on you. Um, they put such little pressure on us. I don't know if you lads have seen Match of the Day, but um, basically the Perez goal went in on Match of the Day and then that was it. They just ended it because they did nothing in the last 10 minutes. We absolutely saw the game out. And um, I uh, I just think, if some, I mean, obviously he's not available against Leicester, but the last sort of four or five games of the season, I think he's, he's really got a... He's really got a part to play, and I think, um, I think again, it's one of those where you look at him, Kennedy, and Dubraka, and you just think, if Rafa had been given these players in pre-season, the players that he wanted, the players that he got he kicked off about because he didn't get, we would be would be where Burnley are. I don't doubt it. Yeah, and, and great point point on Slamani. Um, <clears throat> his first involvement as a Newcastle player was getting in behind the defence on the end of a brilliant Shelby ball. Um, and chesting it away, the keeper kind of didn't know whether to come or whether to go. So, for all his physicality, really helped us in the second half, particularly seeing out the game. And he held up the ball well. And Huddersfield's defenders didn't really know what to make of him. Um, I don't think they expected or planned him to play. Um, he's, he's he's got that he's got that turn of pace and that ability to kind of play in between the lines, which Dwight Gold's so good at. Um, so he, he he really does look like the all round player, albeit we only saw him for kind of fifteen twenty minutes. And then if you look at the goal itself, lads. I think if Gale's on the end of that cross, because the cross is probably going over Slomani's head, I think. I mean, it's hard to judge it. It was at the other end of the pitch to us and seeing the highlights, but it's probably going over Gale's head. But the fact that Slomani's there, he's so good in the air, he's obviously much taller, forces the keeper into that area. And it is a, it is a goalkeeping error because, you, you know, if you're a goalkeeper and you're, you're handling the ball in the box, you don't pat it down. But moving on, side to um, Ayose Perez. I'll get your thoughts on Perez as well, Norman. We'll get yours first, Ty. The, the goal... Um, there's actually five Huddersfield players back and we've got two lads. Two things which stood out for me. Number one, Slomani, very smart because he's he's actually behind the line when we score. Now, he, the defender pushes up when um, Perez puts it in and he stood on the line. It's offside. I don't think people, well, I've not seen that mentioned yet unless I'm like, you know, looking into nothing. But I just thought Slomani makes a very deliberate decision to stay behind the goal line so he can't be offside. So that was really smart. Um, and also the fact that you know there's five players back, and if you kind of you know it looks easy, the finish. I mean, we were pissed. 
<laughs> so you can't see that far. It was a it was a muggy day, but basically in the ground didn't know what had happened. The ball just went in, and it was absolute. <laughs> Are you trying to blame fog for the fact that you couldn't see the game? I <laughs> <laughs> oh, um. Yeah, so basically, I couldn't live. I just saw the ball hit the back of the net, and it yeah. was just absolute chaos in Block V, um, like s- severe chaos. Like people were were rows and rows in front. I mean, the main thing about that goal for me, which I did see, I, there was oh, no, no, no fault. Let, me, on let this. me finish your question. Let me finish, <laughs> is that it looks easy on the replay because it looks like a simple pass, but yeah. when you're Kennedy and you've got two defenders and a goalkeeper and a whole fucking massive goal in front of you, it must have been so easy for him to just try a shot, get blocked. Yeah. Oh, well done, Kennedy corner. But what a pass! No, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like, the, if it was me, I would have shot. You've, the ball's dropped your feet in the six-yard box, and if you smash it, there's a good chance it goes in anyway. There's, there's players everywhere; it could hit off a player, but. To, to to have that because Perez is almost behind him to have him in the peripheral of your vision right right in the corner of your eye there and to pick out that pass perfectly and just make it make it so easy for Perez to score Perez and have to do anything by the time it's gone to him the keeper's made a move and he's just got he's just got to pick out that part of the net where there's a big gap and I think that's you're right that's where Slamani's like stood in the goal probably pointing saying kick it here kick it here and it was just yeah um I've got so much credit for Kennedy because I wouldn't have been able to pass that ball there um I just want to Charlotte was supposed to be hosting today's podcast but she has called in sick with a with a bad voice she can't speak it's too much uh griefing the ref probably at the match yesterday because yeah. the ref was shite but um no seriously she was gonna but she's asked me to say that she's very excited about Slomani and he looked like he can bring a lot to the team so thanks charlotte broadly agreeing with what we're saying yes you look like you're gonna say something there sorry um <laughs> more from charlotte later she passed on notes um she'll be back this week with the exile show for patrons um, and plenty of other shows this week for patrons, of course. Link in the description of the podcast and on our social media if you want to sign up for more of this kind of stuff. Um, Norman, let's talk a little bit about Iose Perez because I'm thinking straight away the goal at Stoke and the goal at Huddersfield are like season-defining goals for Newcastle United. Six massive, massive points, and he was there in the right place at the right time with good finishes on both occasions. So let's just have your opinion on Perez's contribution as a whole this season and also yesterday. Yesterday he was um, he gave a perfect performance. His uh, his passing was uh, was fucking unbelievable. His movement was fantastic. Uh, he used his, his lower body because he, he's short, but he's um you know he's, he's short, but he's very stocky, and he, and he used his ten lower body strength yesterday to, to hold up the ball, to hold players off, to lay it off. Um, the the goal itself, I mean, he he's the person who originally fucking lays the ball off in the middle of the pitch, and he just he just steams up, steams up, and he's in, he's on the end of it. I, the, the Kennedy pass, by the way, was out. Fucking rages. No two ways about it. Um, you've already mentioned it, Sai, but the the composure that he showed at that stage of the game in such a high pressured match to just just to do that. It's just it's just indicative of how fucking good he is and how much potential he's got. Um, in a great finish by Perez, but he's I we could we could you know we could easily just focus on how Perez was yesterday. But for for all of the grief that he's had, I mean you know probably for two full seasons we could say really. Um, he's been getting grief. He's He's not. He's not like a, I, I still don't think see him as a number ten, which is odd because you almost think like, what is his actual position? Like, what what's his best position? Um, but he is growing into that role, and he's become a, an integral part of, of this side. And uh, he's just been he's just been brilliant. The whole team have been brilliant since the West Ham match away. Really, bar a, a couple of um, a couple of poor performances like Swansea and uh, Brighton. But Perez has just been absolutely fantastic. He's, he's made the role he's done and. He's obviously again, again. It's 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 a confidence thing. He just looks so fucking confident. I mean, just did you? I don't know if any of you've seen his his interview um, on match of the day after the, after the game last night, and he just comes across as being somebody who, who kind of knows that they're either at the top of the game or they're getting to that level. And there's a there's a determination for him to kick on. I mean, when we first signed him, we all we were all impressed with him, but then he had two or three years of Carver, Pardew, and McLaren. You know that's going to set any fucking player back, regardless of your potential. Um, and I think it's probably taken a long time to kind of rinse that piss poor coaching at such an early age out of his system. And now, now we're starting to see the benefits of him having had nearly two, uh, just over two years under Benitez and uh, his coaching staff. And uh, it's great to see he's um, he's just been he's been huge. He's been absolutely huge this season and, and fucking good on him. Um, <laughs> I, thought I thought he was a bit shy yesterday. yesterday. But, but let me put that in context. context. So, so yeah, yeah, when when when, uh, when Slimani was was get, getting warmed up to come on and and was was stripping on, um, me and Ben looked at each other and said, "Well, he's got to take Perez off here. Can't take Gale off. He's playing class." And Perez's, he just done that thing where I think um, 
I think Atsu had put a cross in and Perez, instead of heading it, he yeah. sort of fly kicked the ball and it just went out of play and we were just like, oh man, this is this is Perez in a nutshell though and this is why he keeps getting in the team and, and rightly so. You think back, as you just said, he scored the important goal today, he scored against Stoke. Brighton last season, he was also shite. He, he, he didn't out for 80 minutes and then we got that lucky goal off Diame's arse and then um, back of his foot. And then and then Perez was there to, to put away the from a Atu cross again um, to put away the, the, the winning goal and you know what? What you've just said about his confidence is is exactly right. He can have a bad game. He can he can spend eighty minutes trying things and it not coming off. Trying trying to take players on and losing the ball, but he will still try for the last ten minutes to to continue to be there to score the goal. And that's why he, ne- he never takes him off. That's why Rafa Rafa believes in him and and, and trusts him in this position because he, he he is a flair player. He's got more skill than most of the players in the squad, and he really can pull stuff off. But he might try nine times and fail. But you know you'll still attempt the tenth. And and he'd be there to score the goal. So even if he's having a bad game, which I didn't, you know, I don't think he was shite. I think that's harsh, but <laughs> I'll take that back. But you know, he wasn't really doing much, and you never, you didn't think it was going to come off for him. But Rafa always always trusts him, and you know, he lets him finish the game, and and then he gets the reward. So it's a fair play, Perez. He's done that many many times now. He's had he's had games where you're right. The fans got on his back because it's an easy thing to do when it, when a player's when when you're frustrated and haven't scored a goal. If someone loses the ball, what and it looks cheap, but. He's obviously trying stuff. The fans get on his back, and, and he deals with that, and he's confident in himself to, to keep going. So, so yeah, I, I do like him. I do like him. Fair, Fair play. play. I um, I just, I just put in there, mate. It's in, it's interesting how how like kind of, um, we all see the game slightly differently because I think I turned around to uh, you, maybe Alex, um, kind of midpoint of the second half, and, and I, I think I said to you, I think Perez is having a really good game, um, and we're both watching the same game, me and you, Sai, and we've got like completely different interpretations on his performance. It's, I suppose again, it it probably just highlights how little we actually fucking know about football. Um, hence, neither of us are, you know, coaching at any, at any level. No, I mean the top level. It's uh, yeah, it's just uh, the really, really, really interesting. Because I thought, I thought he was, I thought he was brilliant yesterday. So, so there you go. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting it. that you mentioned confidence because confidence is something I wanted to talk about. Um, both for Perez and Gale and also the team. One of the key things that we were worried about and we talked about on the preview last week for patrons was that um, would the team continue in the same vein of form that it finished against Southampton? Three-week break, you know, a game of three halves against these lads from Belgium the other day, and it was brilliant because you saw right at the start of that game, it was basically an extension of the Southampton game. I think we had a shot, Gail had a a decent attempt, a decent-ish attempt in the first 10 seconds of the game, and I really think you saw a confident, vibrant team in the first half, and Huddersfield really struggled to cope with us. I mean, look at the first half, as a whole, and the chances were had. Um, first of all, you had Perez and Gale doing a lot of one-touch stuff to each other, which Huddersfield struggled with. Now, it didn't always come off, because they're not world-class players, but the fact that they were trying these things, these one-touch passes, flicks through, that we just didn't see when the chips really were down in um, early winter and and uh, autumn, was, was was brilliant to see, and, and Perez was an integral part of that, and he really did link up well with Gale in the first half, but I mean, off the top of my head, you had Gale, he misses uh, the header right early doors that was flashed across him. Brilliant ball from Shelby. Brilliant touch from Gale. Fair play to the keeper for coming out and closing him down. He should have scored. He nearly did score. There's the one that um, he flashes over the bar when it kind of the cross comes to him when he's not expecting it. And that we actually thought that was in. That was a kind of already celebrating moment because he, he makes such a good connection with that from behind the goal. You're just expecting the, the ball to hit the back of the net. Um did he have any other chances? You've also got him and Matt Ritchie one-on-one with the keeper kind of bungled it through and Ritchie takes it on and maybe it would, would have been better left for Gale. Um, then you've also got... He's, he's flicked it. It's come across him and he's flicked it with his back heel and he, if he just got a little bit more... Yeah, that, that, that didn't even make match of the day. All the extended highlights on Sky, it's crazy that. <laughs> so there was that. I mean, there's also when John Joe Shelby's early door shot uh, goes just wide. It, it, it's great to see from Gale. He tries the overhead kick, which again is a sign of confidence. Um, he also he's one of those players where he tries the overhead kick and he's straight back up onto his feet trying to get on the end of it and he does really, really just miss out by a second. So he literally could have had four or five in the first half and listen, I'm his biggest fan because he's just scored so many goals for Newcastle that, that have made me a very happy person. Um, but last season, obviously. 
But um, I, I, the goals will come for Dwight Gale, and and you know what, I'm I'm excited to see Slimani. And I, I think Slimani's a better footballer than Dwight Gale. You know, I have to be honest. Um, you know, one of them cost ten million for a Division Two two side, others and one cost thirty million for a Champions League team at the time. Um, but I think I still think Dwight Gale's got a lot to offer, and I still think his first half yesterday was kind of when he is getting chances, the team are playing well. And I know that's obvious because he's a striker, but when he's kind of busy, when he's making runs across the defenders like he was for the header or the back heel. And when the players are in good positions down the flanks to feed the ball into them and create those chances, then we're doing something right. It was a bit of a strange one though, like second half, we just didn't really seem to come out. So what do you think what do you think happened there? Well, I think I think we're um we started to run out of ideas, you know, when 70 minutes has gone, and as you've just described, we had so many chances and it wasn't coming off. You could see the head start to drop a little bit in terms of it's not gonna happen today, and everyone start we started talking about this probably gonna be nil-nil this. Um, and the players maybe start to think that as well. And the, the crowd, I'm not going to have a go at the crowd, but you could sense the frustration because I think everyone turned up expecting would have romp for another 3-0, like we did against Southampton. But, you know, it, it never works out like that. But there was a bit of, and it was a cold, cold day. So the crowd was, I think, um, if you listen to the Match Day pod, as the, as the commentary from us goes on. You How could, do people get the Match Day pod? Um, uh, on on Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> link, in, link in the description of uh, of the podcast. Um so yeah, I think I think the frustration was there from from the players from 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 the bench probably as well. Rafa Rafa looked like he was he was getting more and more animated as the game went on and as chance after chance didn't go in and, and we started running out of ideas and that's when the, when the subs came on to change the game. So you know what what you've just said about um about Gale though just like keeps getting up, keeps going. Just just like Perez, they are they are Rafa Benitez in a nutshell. These players who probably anywhere else playing for Pardew missed two chances. Probably give up. Probably just stop trying. Under Rafa, he's constantly straight off his bench. You know, I think there was a point where Gayle just missed a chance, and Rafa runs to the touch and says, "Get up, back, back the halfway line." He just, he just constantly gets them believing in themselves. Like another one will come, another chance will come, and that's just, that's just how Newcastle United are now, and it's fucking brilliant. Yeah, I just want to give a shout out to Kennedy. I know you discussed him earlier. Five assists. He's only played about half an hour for yeah, that's like, incredible. Five assists, which is class, um, and he's also. Uh, should have had a pen yesterday. I've seen the highlights. First half, player gets none of the ball, takes him out. Uh, we've got unlucky there. Shock, not getting a pen. Newcastle United, while Brighton and Palace both got pens yesterday. <laughs> Fucking surprise, surprise. Um, just some stats, and I can't, I can't take um, credit for these um, because I was going to look at these stats, but then Mark Douglas, uh, editor of the Evening Chronicle, who is your best man for stats on Newcastle United, posted on Twitter last night that we are nine points better off. That um, after 32 games or 31 game, 31 30, 31 games, then we are at the same stage in the relegation season, and yeah. we nearly stayed up then. And obviously, I'm going to talk about now, you know, always safe from relegation. But nine points better off is huge, considering some of the misfortune we've had as well, and the fact that you know, as we said, last season we were well stocked in the transfer market with not the right players. But um, yeah, well done, Newcastle, for that. The last time. Um, we lost to a team below us in the league. It was September the twenty fourth at Brighton. That's a phenomenal record. We are top. We've taken what twenty nine points from the bottom half of the Premier League yeah. in fifteen games, or the teams below us in fifteen games, which is just like insane form. Um, and you know we've got the third lowest goals conceded of all the teams in the Premier League in twenty eighteen, which is just a, a defensive miracle. I mean, Charlotte, one of Charlotte's talking points was going to be that she reckons we need one more win to be safe. Went down to 38 points. I think it was 37. But anyway, 37 points. Um, whilst the table looks like that won't happen this year, I don't think we're totally safe now unless we get one more win, which we should get. Uh, Norman, do you agree with that one? Are we safe? safe? Um, well, what we got left? Seven games, yes. right? Seven, seven games left. Like the, the the benchmark, the fucking figure that's always bandied around year on year is forty points. There's no way we're not going to pick up five points from seven matches. Like there's just need, there's just it's not going to happen. We had that shitty spell when the cells was out the side, that that nine game um, streak where we didn't, you know, we picked up one point, I think. Um, and it, it's that's that's not going to happen again. We're not we're not going to go through the next seven games like losing five of them. That's just not going to fucking happen. Um, and even so if we do, I, we're still, still there. Uh, well, I mean. One more win, 38 points would be enough, I would think. Um, I think Southampton and Stoke are, are looking finished. I mean, even even Swansea are looking very poor. Like I think we all kind of thought would happen once Carvalho's Hall's um, bump ended, which seems to be the case now. Um, Huddersfield are going to struggle. Um, I, I don't... It, it, would be, it would be like 
it would be catastrophic if we got relegated now, and it would also be completely against the grain of Rafa's career. It just it would be it would be a fucking huge shock. I mean, you know what? The best place to check is the bookies. And what are the odds they offer us getting relegated? Um, that'll be in, in, that'll be indicative of what, of what the reality is. It'll, it must be like it must be like fifty odd to one. It's, it's just not going to happen. We're um, of course we're not safe mathematically, but kind of psychologically and you know, in in, in realistically, yeah, yeah, we are. We're going to be fine. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's two, two things. things. One, um, with, with Rafa Benitez, you know, you know there, there, there could, could be a bit of a complacency setting where the lads think the job's done, done but, but with Rafa Benitez, you know, that's not going to happen. But you just said that there's seven games left, and whereas. Maybe a, a few weeks ago or, or back in February, we're talking about obviously the Huddersfield and Southampton games, but then we're talking about the West Brom game, and those are the ones to target points from. Of the last seven games now, you're not just looking at West Brom and thinking, well, that's where we get our last three points. You're looking at Everton away and thinking we'll get something there. You're looking at Leicester away and thinking we'll probably get something there. You're looking at Arsenal at home, Chelsea at home, and you're thinking we could get something there. And suddenly you're looking at all these games and thinking we're probably going beaten and finishing the top half because that's how good we are at the minute. Well, that, that is one of the questions uh, Jeff underscore NUFC asks. Um, what are the realistic possibilities of a top 10 finish? And you've got to say it's not far away because Watford and Bournemouth, there's nothing to fear from those two teams. I mean, Bournemouth are, are in good form. Uh, Watford can't win away from home. Um, and I think me and Bolland did a patron show through the week, which is a Premier League predictor, where we predicted every single Premier League result in the relegation battle. We both had us finishing 10th, and that was with me trying to be negative, thinking, oh, well, I can't just say we'll, we'll win every week. To answer Norman's question, Newcastle are 40-1 to to be relegated, whereas Stoke are 4-11 Huddersfield are evens and Southampton are evens or eleven to ten. Swansea six to one. So yeah, I mean forty to one would be a, a huge waste of money. Um doesn't matter what odds were because we're not getting relegated. But yeah, that that definitely seems to be the thinking amongst a lot of the fan base. I'm sure Rafa will have the lads ahead of a difficult game at Leicester next week. We're we're all going to that. Well me sign Norman R. Charlotte as well. Uh, Mickey too. And um yeah, that's a hard game. Leicester in good form. Jamie Vardy's on fire. Um, but uh, you know, a point there would be a, would be a huge result. Keep the the unbeaten run going, but um, you know, we're certainly not expecting any miracles. But definitely amongst the fan base, we seem to have relaxed. We seem to have accepted that we're going to be a Premier League side next year. And there is a there is the potential for this football club and this team with this manager to do great things in this league next season if given like even just a like even just a bit of money. No, like yeah. not not 150 million quid, but even if Rafa was given like a reasonable Premier League budget. 60 to 80 million pounds including player sales because we'll probably get rid of some deadwood bring some money in you have a feeling that we could seriously challenge the top certainly the top eight in my opinion if not more with this manager and that's that's the great and terrifying thing that this could all be thrown away in the summer by one man but i'll get back to the positivity just quickly on that though rafa's rafa's a very smart man and he will know that every position in the premier league means a few more million that you might be able to spend so you'll be thinking that you know there'll be no foot off the gas at any point there'll be no job done here there'll be how high up can we finish get a bit more money in it might help him make a decision if he knows that even if Ashley doesn't back him, at least the club will have generated enough money for him to, to do what he wants to do. And if, if that's the case, that might be another factor in, in why he could stay. Uh, can, I, can, I just, uh, can I just jump jump in there as well? Um, I think you, you mentioned it, uh, Si, a couple of minutes ago. That yes, yes, we are on 35 points. Yes, it's very unlikely we're going to get relegated. Um, but the other thing is as well, even even if we were fucking safe now, right? even if we had, like let's say, 40 points in the bag, um, Benitez isn't the kind of manager and the coaching staff that he's got aren't the kind of coaches that would allow one split second of complacency to seep in. Like, even even if players, like, kind of subconsciously switch off because like, it's kind of, you know, job done, um, that, that wouldn't, it just wouldn't be tolerated. It, it would not be tolerated by um, by the manager and, and his coaching staff. And, and the other thing is, as well, is even, even, like, even if, as I say, we were safe and the players... The players could quite easily switch off. I don't think they would because I don't think any player on that team at the minute wants to risk losing their place in the side. Um, I, I don't. I just as long as Benitez is manager of this club, I don't envisage complacency ever being a problem. Um, so, so even if we get the you know we get four points in the next two games and we're completely safe, um, I still think the last five games of the season it'll be the team will still be giving hell for leather. I don't doubt it, and it's fucking great to see. By the way. Yes, it is. And I'm going to go to some listener questions now. Um, Hail to the King at Shot Shy said, Lejeune, this is for you, Norman. How how completely he ran the game in the first half, something no other centre-back in our squad can do and few around the rest of the league. Would you agree with that sentiment, that he, he's that special in terms of his ability on the ball to dictate play? He's a, he's a very, very good footballer. Uh, he, um, he, he's, 
he's, he's looked so good. Like He's really coming to his own alongside uh, Lascelles. The understanding they've built is, is just absolutely fantastic. But um, obviously, in terms of football and ability, what, what he can do with the ball, um, Lejeune is... Is he's obviously he's better than Lascelles, you know, in, in that sense. He, he's a he can pass the ball better, um, he can spot space better. Um, he's probably, I mean, he's, he's a he's a centre half as Lascelles is, but he's a completely different type of footballer. They're both excellent in their in their, in their own way, and they're complementing each other fantastically. And I, um, that kind of Dubravka with Lejeune and Lascelles in front of him, that is a fucking solid unit right there, a really intelligent. Hard working, solid unit, and um, I, I mean, where well, you can see the, the the proofs in the pudding. Look how look how we've been since uh, Lascelles has come back, and since him and Lejeune started working well, and since we got Dubravka. And, I mean, Dubravka hasn't conceded a home goal yet, and apart from against Manu, he hasn't even looked like he conceded one. And I think that's just that kind of that threesome there are are just they're just excellent. That that automatics, and um, I I don't think as long as as long as those three are fit, I don't think we'll um, have many occasions where we concede more than one well, one goal in a game. Um, I, he was excellent, no doubt about it. So, so much of the day, um, the performance of, of Shelby in particular was picked up on. Um, message from Bedford, Mark here. Uh, here's one, the fact that John Joe is a pass master, why can't he shoot for shit? <laughs> I swear he couldn't hit a cow's ass with a banjo when shooting. <laughs> but also, also, let's talk about him in a positive light. Yeah, why can't Shelby shoot? I don't want to answer that question, I think he can. Um uh, you know what? Do, do you? <laughs> you know what? Yeah, well, he was he was close yesterday. That that one that one distant shot he had. He plays very deep, so Shelby's shots are always coming from quite far out. So you got you've got to give him that. Um, it's it's not his game. Obviously, we know that. Um, I think we talked about it um, yesterday on on the match day. Well, could you imagine if he added goals to his game? Yeah, Shelby. I know, I know. It would be it would be it would be world class. Um, but he was he was picking up the ball quite deep again yesterday. You know, Huddersfield had eleven men behind the ball on the halfway line, so the easiest thing for Shelby to do was, was come quite deep, pick up the ball. He wasn't really under any pressure and start picking up passes. And you know, if he ever ever is in a position to shoot, it's because the ball's kind of ricocheted out from across and dropped to him. It's never that easy to hit them. You know, he's he's not Steven Gerrard, but I, I think that's just yeah. I'd I'd love to see him score more goals, but what he's doing Dude, for the, the team, team is, is more than enough as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, go on, go on. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, you come to me. I just wanted to put in and say something about Shelby, but uh, I interrupted you and I apologise for it. <laughs> well, the thing is, we, so you, polite. you can't talk about Shelby currently without also talking about Diame because the pair of them as a centre midfield is probably the best performance centre midfield in, in the league at the minute. They're just so good together. Shelby gets so much more time and freedom to, to play his game because Mo Diame was there. I mean, yeah, Aaron Moy... Um, he did work at, at, at the home leg in August. You know, he, he was he, he ran the show and he was very good and he scored the winning goal. He was terrified of Modiami yesterday. Every time he picked up the ball, even on the halfway line, even in his own half, Modiami was on his heels immediately and and just just he basically had to find a pass back to his fullback or or pass four yards back to a centre half or, or either side of him. He couldn't do anything. But then when Shelby got the ball, it was a totally different game. Like it was just two bold men couldn't have had more contrasting performances if you tried. Like. It was just, it was just amazing, and uh, yeah, Shelby and Diarmi once again, absolutely pivotal in in the way we're playing. Norman, go on then, say what you need to say about Shelby. Um, it, it's his um, how how fit he is. I don't know if if, if either of you picked up on it, but his his fitness levels are are at such like they're so high at the moment that he even seems to be moving on the pitch quicker. It's almost like he's he's added a yard of pace. I mean, he's not he's not quick by any stretch of the imagination. But what I mean is, he's just. He's just he's box to boxing. Like I've never I've never seen him, and I don't I don't think there'll be any point in his career so far that he's he's been this fit. Um, and it's just brilliant to see. And again, it's it's down to to coaching. It's down to the instilling of like self belief, and uh, obviously it's down to having a regular midfield partner like Mo Diarmia, who is just an absolute fucking perfect um, foil for him. Um, so I just really got to see Shelby like that, and also. And also, and I'm, you know, I'm trying not to speak too soon yet because you know, but he's really reined in that kind of niggly, stupid, immature side of his game that we that we've seen and that we saw at the start of the season. Um, he's just he's been utterly transformed um, since again, since sort of the West Ham match. Away. He's been, yeah, he's, he's really kind of, and obviously, you know, that there might be he might have one eye on possibly making the England squad for the World Cup. And as Danny Murphy said last night, there is no other English centre midfielder can can give what he can, and he's. It, it would be, it would be kind of cowardly of um, Southgate not to not to take him. Um, I mean, to me, it doesn't make any difference. Obviously, 
part of me would like to see a, you know a Shelby play in the World Cup because he's a Newcastle player. It'd be great to see him do well. But at the same time, if he doesn't get on, then well, you'll have a you'll have a full pre-season under his belt. You'll come back even better next year. Yeah, spot on. And um, on Mo, there aren't many more words I can say about his performances. Um, I've, I've I've just waxed lyrical about him for so long. Um, I think we need to start transcending the language you use on him and like we should he should have a, an adjective or something or like <laughs> I don't know like you know Ronaldo the good one well the old one the new one's quite good but the the, the real good one he was like the phenomenon did I say that right phenomenon no not at all you're saying phenomenon <laughs> yeah that he that we need something like that. So you're gonna have to pick an easier word. Than yeah, pick an e- well, no, that I can't use that one because that's taken. <laughs> we need something for Mo because he's just he's just so good for Newcastle United. Like I said before, he's a thirty million pound settled midfielder who cost four quid. Like playing in the Premier League at the highest level, dominating, and, and you call it say terrifying is is peers on on the opposition. Aaron Moy didn't want to know yesterday until the second half until he had to. I mean, he got booked early doors as well, which is probably out of fear. Um, you know, so yeah, what a performance by the two of them, and and it's it's a it's the contrast, isn't it? When I remember doing the Leicester podcast um, from Singapore, you know, five a.m. or something like that, um, where we got beat three two at home, and just saying on the podcast with Norman, I think that we were just we were powder puff in in Southampton Field, and we were weak, and it was so unlike Rafa Benitez's side. Well, the answer was the answer was Modiame, and we saw that West Ham away was the first time he played there, and he's just been the first name on the team sheet ever since, besides the cells. Yeah, and quickly to finish off on Shelby, what you said about um, Norman, about him um, kind of cutting down on the stupid side of his game. I mean, at, in January, it sounded like he was close to the door. You know, if, if we could have got someone in, I think Rafa would have considered selling him because it, he was he was going through a bit of a patch where he was being stupid. And you know what? Alexander Mitrovic could take a, take a leaf out of Shelby's boot because he's totally changed his behaviour. Because at that, at that point, I think he thought, crap, I'm, I'm going to... This is this is a good opportunity playing for Newcastle under Rafa. I don't want to lose it, and he's he's turned it around, and he's 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 changed his behaviour, and he's learned, and he's got fitter, and he's doing all the right things now. Where, whereas that that's like that's all Rafa wants from any of his players, and if if you know if any player with a bit of talent can do it, then 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 why not Mitrovic, who's who's been playing well, you know, it's it's that's that's what he needs to do if he if he ever wants to play for Newcastle again, he probably won't, so it doesn't matter. But you know, Shelby's the example of how all you know all these players with bad attitudes. Can still can still make it and can still change it because we had Ben Arthur, we had managers who couldn't deal with these players. With Rafa, give him anyone and there's a chance. I want to talk about st- staying calm and you know that's the the big thing about Rafa and the coaching staff and even the players now is the ability to stay calm. He stayed calm when we got relegated. He stayed calm when we lost the first two games last season. He stayed calm at Leeds away and Ipswich away and everyone said we were shite and we weren't going up because Huddersfield were this great team and we were going to win every single game in the league in Katwa. Um He stayed calm at the start of the season when Ashley fucked us. He stayed calm when uh, we lost the first two games of the season and went out of the cup. He stayed calm as we lost eight of nine in uh, in January. Oh, sorry, in December, November, December. Uh, he stayed calm when he got no money to spend in January and got fucked again by Ashley. He stayed calm when we were in the relegation zone before the Man United game. And it's just going to keep happening. And that kind of ability, no, no stupid team selections, no Steve McLaren like putting Riviere in against Bournemouth, no Pardew like banned from the stands and going all out attack and getting done four nil, four nil, three nil by Spurs, Man United, and Sunderland like playing ridiculous attacking football when we didn't have the players to do it. No John Carver blaming the tea lady for the defeat against Sunderland. Like this, none of this shit happens and. We've been doing the podcast in the kind of period I've just mentioned there, and it's just there's no controversy at, at certainly at, you know squad level and team level anymore. It's all at boardroom level, which there always had been, and it's just like Rafa. You know, he said he said it in public. He said it was. He said it at the the Times podcast, I think, with George Cockin. Um, we we as Newcastle United just need to keep doing things the right way, and other teams will make mistakes. Other teams will will appoint Pellegrino um, or Pellegrini. One of the two, Pellegrino. Pellegrino. Yeah, other teams will then get Mark Hughes in. <laughs> yeah, other teams will spend ninety million quid on a unproven player from Monaco in January. Other teams will appoint David Moyes. Other teams will do all these things. As long as he's managing this football club, we will be all right. We will be whatever we think all right is. We will be it, and it's it's a promising sign for the future. And we're so lucky to be sat here on a Sunday morning, April Fool's Day, sigh for another twenty five minutes. Um, 
Easter Sunday with Rafa Benitez in charge of our football club. It's, st- it's still fucking class. Like, I don't care what anyone says. I don't care what happens at Leicester next week. It's still an absolute privilege to watch his sides play football. That's all I wanted to say. Um, <laughs> Absolutely bang on, mate. Absolutely bang on. Norman, um, just quickly as well, um, you know, I think we, we discussed this morning, um, you know, it's not just about the starting eleven, is it? It's it's the it's the squad, it's the, it's the strength and depth we'll have. It's the fact that decent players can't get on the bench. It's the fact that, you know, it, this is a real team that he seems to be building. And I think, I mean, you probably don't remember this, but again, in one of your WhatsApp messages last night where you'd had one or two drinks, you said... You know what you hoped we didn't sign anyone in the summer because you just want this group of lads to stay together <laughs> yeah, forever. forever. Um, um, is that, that still, still the case? case? <laughs> well, the thing is, of course, like of course, you want to like sign like players, and you want like Rafa to get the players that he he wants. But I suppose you know through the the sentimental fucking gush of like ten pints or whatever it was. Um, the point is that I want like I, I want to see these particular players do the best they can because they're just. Because they just seem to be dead fucking sound, and it's like it is as easy as that is, and like and you know, and as silly as it might sound to see it, it it's just the case that they're just a very likable group of players, and um, and I'm I'm com- I'm completely and utterly fucking in love with the squad. I really am, and uh, I obviously obviously you know I want to go and sign players to make we a better side, <laughs> but at the same time I almost uh, I almost feel like I would feel sorry for anybody who, who kind of loses that place because. I like them all that much. So there you go, I'm crying now. <laughs> well, with Norman in that emotional state, we'll uh, we'll say goodbye for this week. It's been a pleasure talking to you. It's just been a pleasure just having been able to think about Newcastle United at the moment. Just yeah. fucking mint. Like, these are the days. These are the absolute beautiful days. Um, if you like what we do, subscribe to our extra content on Patreon. It's only like one twenty-five a week and we'll spend all the money on the new gear, which we are speaking into you now um, on a massive, super powerful PC through expensive microphones which you know the people who subscribe has given us the money to do um we'll be back for you with the next free podcast next sunday when we get back from leicester who knows what time that will be we might record down there um in the morning we'll see how hungover we are from uh the impending victory and uh yeah thank you to Sai and norman give us a follow on social media if you are so inclined we're at tf weekly pod on both facebook and twitter and uh we will speak to you very soon cheers For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Grainger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Grainger. For the ones who get it done.